You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. A seed. Seedlings. Ready for planting, but what soil will aid in their aging advancing? Not too rough or soft or dry or damp. Not too big or small or long or cramped. Pampered by Piper, hoping to pick the ripest one. Which is no fun, since the growing has just begun. Give them sunshine and smiles and carbon dioxide. Space and time and shade if they're fried. Don't pry with tools to plow them away. Lay dirt, good foundation, and the seeds will stay and grow. Heyo! Welcome, welcome, welcome to the first ever Chris Chats with yours truly. Call me Christine, Chris, Steen, Shep, C. Shep. I answer to them all. I'm super excited to be teaming up with the Ensemblists to be able to have a monthly discussion about all sorts of topics that affect the arts and entertainment community. This all started when I decided to put my money where my mouth is and reach out in hopes to make a difference. I asked for an inch, Mo gave me a mile, so laced up my shoes and decided to join the race. So, today, our first topic of discussion is something many of us know and talk about regularly. Arts education. Broad topic, I know, but I want to focus on how it directly affects Broadway's demographics. Education alone has been a hot topic in this country dating all the way back to LBJ and the creation of the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, or ESEA, for all you acronym lovers. <laughs> Since then, the government has manufactured a laundry list of acts to try to define quality education and fund it. They took some wins, and some L's, like they always do. <laughs> I remember being super young, hearing No Child Left Behind on the TV, thinking it was a title of a new gospel song. Could you imagine? No Child Left Behind on the Throughout the years, the three R's have continued to be the foundation of measuring knowledge. It's only been in the past five years the definition of well-rounded education included the arts, which is laughable considering the amount of studies showing music, dance, singing, painting, etc. being extremely beneficial in early stages of brain development. It's the classic government move. They created the ESEA that technically incorporates arts in the core curriculum, but years of neglect require a new age definition. Think of the civil rights movement if this example is confusing. Growing up in Ohio, I went to public school. I was fortunate enough to have the resources inside and outside of school to express myself creatively. But we all know this is not the case for all children nationwide. In the 80s, there was a shift from federal to state power regarding funding. Schools must meet certain requirements to receive funding for arts programs, but it's different for each state. So like in New York, Arts is part of a yearly assessment, therefore schools statewide are eligible for funding. In places like Florida, Texas, Utah, and Kansas, districts can apply for grants, and low-income areas are considered priority. Oklahoma 
<laughs> is almost the exact opposite, making fine arts programs a priority in the grant application process. In their funding plans, most states recognize the definition of well-rounded education, but many of them don't specify their evaluation criteria that determines whether districts receive funding. So basically, if you're not in a creative hub, you're gambling, hoping your school can qualify to get some money for things like instruments, costumes, rights to plays and musicals, art supplies, so on and so forth. Earlier this month, I went to a protest at Pace University for the students and alumni that have experienced racism, discrimination, and abuse in the musical theater program. CR Truths is the name of the organization leading change in the community. Um, if you haven't heard about them, you should check them out. It's really powerful stuff. There are several accounts of students being ostracized, ignored, hushed, victimized, you name it, specifically the students of color. After 15 years of the program's existence, there is finally a tangible fight happening against these injustices. Someone may ask, what took so long? Besides, you know, student fear, time for organization, and the school's impressive, suppressive legal team, Students of color experience treatment like this throughout their entire educational process. Unfortunately, this normalizes the treatment. Some less blatant or violent than what PACE students went through, but nevertheless just as mentally deprecating. The only people wanting to be the token have never actually been one, alright? Let's start with that. It's not enjoyable, nor is it motivating. Nine out of ten times, being a person of color in the arts means you'll have to have thicker skin than your white counterparts. No wonder there's a lack of representation on stage. Some kids can't afford it, or don't have access to it, or feel alone when participating. The children of our future, yes, the children of, honestly, the children of our present and our future need to get rid of these stigmas and these stereotypes. I feel it is our obligation to pave a better, more inclusive way for them. So, you know gotta start somewhere so I feel like a conversation's a good place. Alright, don't worry, I'm not the only one talking today. Uh, our show is going to be featuring two very special guests who will be able to give us um, first-hand experience about their relationship with arts education and how they're bettering it. So James T. Lane is a true triple threat who has graced numerous Broadway stages, most recently in the 2019 revival of Kiss Me Kate. He studied musical theater at Carnegie Mellon and Penn State, and now influences the next generation of performers by teaching masterclasses. James, thank you so much for being on with me. My pleasure, Christine. Thank you for having me. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and get started. I've got a couple questions for you. I'm really excited to talk. Um, so... How are you actively trying to spread accessible theater to underserved communities? Well, it's been very interesting. I mean, as you know, Christine, we are in a time. Yeah. You know, uh, that, that's a wonderful question because uh, wherever I am in the country or in the world, I will go into the neighborhoods and places and spaces of people who look like me and will offer uh, master classes at elementary schools, middle schools and um because it's so important for people to understand that you know there's more to performing than just like beyonce <laughs> you know those 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 big big names you know there's like a theater world there's television world and um and it's accessible you can get educated in that 
kind of discipline and that training, it's a different thing. You know, you got to put in some work and put in some time. So um, I remember when professionals would come to my school, particularly the, the Urban Bush Women like yeah. uh, company in yeah. Philadelphia, come and we had a program called Young Audiences. Professionals would come and they would perform and I'd be like, whoa, people make a living at this? <laughs> in my own way, I try to do the same thing. And I literally do cold calls. You know, it's usually just like, you know, hey, I'll buy you lunch. Or yeah. like, hey, we don't got no money. <laughs> it's always a bonus and it's always nice when there is money involved. Of course. Know? Or, but you know what? I'll take, I'll take some lift fare. I'll take some like, hey, yeah. give you a cab. We'll, lunch is in the lunchroom. <laughs> Everybody's having pizza. Have a pizza. You know, like, so... I'm cool with that, too. Yeah the, yeah, the humility of it. Just, you know, if you decided to be an artist, if you did it for money, you kind of chose the wrong profession, almost in a sense. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, what I am finding, Christine, is like the more that I give it away. Listen, I sound like I'm giving a secret. <laughs> but like, the more I do give it away, the more it just comes on in. Mm. It, if I really give it away in that spirit of, of just being glad to do it, I find that I'm well taken care of and I, I learned it honest like I had a lot of people who who gave me a lot of wonderful things time and energy and rides and stuff like that so I just feel like I'm a link in the chain you know yeah. and you know I get a slice of pepperoni pizza out of it too <laughs> pepperoni and mushroom and sausage is mine just a yeah okay all right all right so do you know of any options for aspiring artists who are not financially fortunate Definitely check out your community centers. You know, I know we're going through a time, obviously, but I would say reach out to folks that you admire. See that if there are programs that they're offering, scholarship programs at the major uh, schools. I knew, you know, I knew that going to college, I, I needed a full scholarship. No other way around it. Yep. That's what I did my junior year into my senior year. Because I knew, you know, that I wouldn't have any money. I wrote letters to the colleges before I even sent my, like, I sent my applications in. And then I sent letters to the admissions department saying, like, hey, I'm James. You'll be seeing me, uh, you know, auditioning for your school. Please really consider me. And so that when I walked into the door, they already knew who I was. Mm. Hey, that's that guy that sent the letter and got out my letter and stuff like that. And then I, after I left, I followed it up with a follow-up letter. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're underserved, you got to serve it. Yeah. You got to step up to the plate because the money's out there for you. Just look at it. You know, um, I got a lot of scholarship money through that way. I got a lot of scholarship through organizations like Catch in Philadelphia and, um, and a couple of other uh, school scholarship programs. Nobody's going to turn away somebody who's really interested in the arts. You know, so at your local dance schools or organizations, you know, just ask if they can put you on scholarship. Yeah. You know, if you can broom, you know, you can be on a work scholarship. There are many, many ways to kind of like um, get the training that you need. That's genius. <laughs> And I think I think I've I've had the thought of the the cast album before the, the before the show starts type situation, but sure. the, the follow up the follow up I feel like is a lot of people do not think of. I don't know if you've done your due diligence, but it's almost like that that cherry on top that can almost really make or break 
You're, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, that has power to it. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, all right. Give me your personal percentage regarding these elements in the broad in your Broadway career: talent, luck, connections, appearance. I, I say these four because I feel like, to me, they feel like they're the top four that I, not only I've experienced myself as a performer, but um, elements that are constantly mentioned as becoming a professional performer. So I'm curious, how would you um, ratio those out? I would find it hard to put it in one pie chart. Okay. You don't show up in New York City if you're not ready to show up in New York City. In terms of like, you got to have the talent and, 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 and knowing what to do with it. Mm. Because it's just talent. It's, it's like the ability to kind of like convey that talent or to like, like use that talent in a constructive way for this particular thing that you're auditioning for. I would say, you know, get get the tools you need, get the skills that you need. So, like, you know, talent is, you know, it, it, it's like seventy five percent. That's huge. That that you gotta, you gotta if you if you don't hit the notes, you don't hit the notes. <laughs> you know, like if you can't, <laughs> if you can't, if you you know, if it's a chorus line and you can't dance, what was going on? So you you gotta have that. What was it? Talent, um, appearance connections and luck and luck um i don't believe in luck i believe in preparation and mm-hmm. opportunity you know mm-hmm. that creates what we think of as luck because nobody's getting a job nobody's falling into it with nothing <laughs> that's not happening consistently mm-hmm. we're not talking about flashes in the pan anybody can do that but like preparation and opportunity so that is that's a fair amount, but I don't know if I can put a percentage on that because that's that's something out of my, you know. So you listen up. You really want to be ready. I'm not saying that you got to spend all your money getting ready, but I'm saying like you really need to be prepared for the opportunity that's coming because it's coming, it's coming, you know. So you create you create luck, and I'm doing the air quotes with luck. With, by being prepared and, and seizing the opportunity. Appearance, people like people that look good, unless you're like, you know, playing a garbage pail kid. You're like, you know, like they want you to smell good. You know, they want you to, you know, work well with others. You know, so appearance, how you're getting along, what your energy is, what you bring into the room. That's part of an appearance too. You know, how you show up. Hello, good morning. You walk into the space, good morning. Have a good night. That's that's all about your appearance. You know, rehearsal rooms get sweaty, so you don't go in there funky. <laughs> you know, don't start out funky. It's a long day. <laughs> Not wrong at all. Did I miss one? Oh, connections. Connections is one that I feel like is this obvious elephant in the room in a sense of we all know about it. It's all constantly happening around us. I think it's even more prevalent in the time period we live in now because auditions are, you know, not normal or really functional at the moment so connections are kind of how people who are consistently working right now have been regularly working so yeah connections connections i would use another word i would use relationships okay because relationships are built around a good working environment and leaving the the space better than you found it when you leave, you want people to be wanting to work with you for the next project. Mm. You, 
So, so it's about relationships. For the last two or three years, all of the jobs that came, Kiss Me Kate, working at New York City Center, working out at Drury Lane doing Mary Poppins, that was all relationship-oriented. This person knew me here. This person that knew me here. Why don't you see James? James is available. Let's have him do this. That's, that's relationships, connections. I would put that in another pie. <laughs> it, it, it touches everything. So that's, 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 I would say that's 100% of it. Like that, because that touches all things. We, I, we got a big pie, Christine. I just messed up. No, it's okay. We can do like a tour de la pie. There's a blueberry. There's an apple. There's a cherry. I'm into fruits. Like, it's cool. It's, there's no worries. <laughs> but yeah, it is everything, Christine. Relationships are everything. Because, and baby, let me tell you, if you are not doing what you need to do, you can best believe before you lay your head down at night, everybody knows about you ain't you acting up. Everybody knows because the, mm. this is very small, very small. And it doesn't mean be fake or be disingenuous. You know, you always stick up for yourself, tell your truth and all of that good stuff. Be a good person, be a, be a good person to work with, you know, have integrity, know your lines, <laughs> you know, and, and, and treat people well. But it's everything. Relationships are everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I can't speak on your experience, but I feel like the learning these types of things were so situational in a sense of when I was put in the moment, it was that learning experience versus all the education you experience prior. You work up, you study, you take tests, yada, 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 yada. And then once you're put into a real world situation, it's almost kind of like, what tools did I have again? And <laughs> Exactly. They they need a class like that. It's like how to take care of you when you when you are out in the world. Like that's a whole other side of it too. You know that that's a, that's a real real side of it. They're not teaching that in schools. You know they're not they're not developing that type of rapport. Yeah, you know, and a major part of what we do. We're social. Yeah, for sure. So cool. Seven pies. Got it. Into it. <laughs> Dope. All right. Um, how do you think the male to female ratio in teachers is affecting students in arts education? Oh, goodness. That's, that's an interesting thing. My first dance teacher was Miss Shepard. And, um, was it me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Girl, you look fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Heavily influenced by, you know, my, my first music teacher was Darina Morrow. First acting teacher was Miss Hayes. I went away to theater school during high school and and clocks. So, so definitely a strong presence of women. But I would say it, it switched in higher education. Like it was it was definitely male dominated. And I don't know what that's I don't know what that's about. I almost wonder if if it's if it's that career thing like having to choose or, or feeling like you had to choose because I mean I'm 42 now so like I was of a of a time <laughs> a time you know I, I hope that the tides are changing I'm not sure what the percentages are I substitute teach jazz dance at New York Film Academy and um, um, all, most of the dance faculty are women it can be much more represented the majority of, of the folks in musical theater are women we, we need more of that presence. We need more choreographers, women choreographers, and that point of view and perspective and, and that story. So it, it definitely 
I feel the need. I feel the need, and 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 I know a lot of of the women that are ready to do it. Yeah, I think that's maybe what always is so surprising to me is I feel like there's not a lack of of women who are eager and ready to go ahead and take that next step because I I, I would also agree it's almost a like the classic um, women are great kindergarten teachers but are they good college professor type BS situation um, is almost feel like it's reflected in arts education, which is, I would think, hilarious because women are definitely higher in a ratio in just like performance and everything else. And I feel like that ratio is starting to change a little bit due with current times and more inclusivity. But at the same time, I just, you know, I don't, I don't really know. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't know. And, I, and I'm interested in seeing because I feel like everything's on the chopping block now. Like, I feel like, baby, now is the time, now is the time, now is the time. And um, if you want to be on the leading edge of something, you need to be listening to, to women's voices, and you need to be listening to people of color. We're not interested in, in you giving us something. We want to create new stuff. Yeah. We want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to be inter- interviewed by you. I want to be doing the interviewing. Exactly. That's, what, that's that's the spaces and places that there needs to be changing. You know, it's I'm ready for it. I'm here. I, I want to see it. I want to be a part of it. I want to support it. So this organization that um that I'm a part of called Black Broadway Men, um it's a new nonprofit organization for for Black men and in 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 the theater and the performing arts. Like every Black man is 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 a Black Broadway man. You don't have to be on Broadway. To be a part of it, and Anthony Wayne and Sabrock Warren and Terrence Ritchie and Ahmad Simmons, we all got together and started this program. But part of our program is is like in service to like lifting um, all people up of color, you know. So we can't wait to like support women's organizations and support and go 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 to shows and and, and just go to food banks and just be supportive in that way as as black men so we're ready for it we're here for it i'm ready for it it sounds so needed and so i hate to use the word overdue but like overdue (laughs) it's time you know and like and it took a pandemic for us to be like let's let's move it right along um what kind of effect do you think the upcoming age of online education will have on arts education well, here's here's the thing. I have a student in London over Zoom. I teach a dance class for singers and actors um, that I had in a brick and mortar kind of building. But like all, all, I was working over in London for a year and a half, so I have ties over there. But all of my London friends or all of the people that I met in there, they could never come to take class. They see it, you know, Instagram and stuff like that. But now there's this whole world of of, of arts education at your fingertips. You know, you can zoom on in and you can get access. I saw Desmond Richardson, fabulous contemporary dancer from yeah. ALA. He's going to be working with the students at the Hart School. And I thought, like, oh my goodness, like, wow. It's probably happening because of Zoom. You know, you just boom, right there. You know, I'm going to be doing um, um, a master class at Rowan College. And I've, and I've been doing master classes for arts organizations um, all throughout the summer. It's been a great, great thing. So it's really at your fingertips. And I'm so interested in seeing how, like, all of the many, many ideas to kind of expand on what this medium could be. 
so I'm hoping some of that ingenuity goes into what Broadway is doing. Yeah. You know, because it's like it's gonna it has to be a brave new world. You know, I know that theaters are the theaters and budgets are the budgets and all of that, but like somebody gonna have to get creative. We are a creative business, like boo boo. Like we gonna have to do something. Yeah, it feels very, very wash wince repeat for the past I don't know how long. I feel like I'm new to it, and I can already see the, like, didn't you already just do that? It's funny. I, I've been working on a, a one-man show uh, since 2015 called uh, Triple Threat. It's been really hard because it's a one-man show. It, it, what is it exactly? And, and, and hard to get funding and stuff like that. Flash forward to a pandemic, and it's like the perfect thing for a small theater to do in a pandemic. So I'll be getting a run of that at the Zeter's Theater at the end of January. And it's like, it's only because of this opportunity in time, one, that I had the time, and because of the way that it's built, it's perfect for social distancing. We're going to have to get creative right now. Yep. <laughs> okay. And that's on that. Like. <laughs> right, here I am. I'm ready. <laughs> and it's going to be streamed, you know, like it's going to be, it's going to be in Virginia Beach. So, and, and that is another way that access to the world and, and figuring out what that is, what we can do with the medium there. So it's very exciting. Very yeah, exciting. yeah. I hope, I feel like my greatest hope is that these people and children who maybe don't have a car to always get somewhere, Zoom can become a great equalizer, almost in a sense of like that opportunity can be able to spread, get a chance to at least figure out if they, give them enough tribe to figure out even if they like it enough. You know, I feel like sometimes that's a big thing with kids is that you get one intramurals moment where you learn the cha-cha slide maybe, and everybody watches West Side for somebody's birthday, and like, that's it. And you're supposed to base those two, you know, if you're not fortunate enough to be a part of all of these different artistic outlets, those are like your two things to be like, all right, well, like, do you want to do this for the rest of your life? And like, you're 13, like, may maybe, or I'll just be a doctor and, like, no, I can pay my bills. Right, right, right. There's a vastness of, of what we do and, and color and variety. That's beautifully put. This this can be the great equalizer in access and, like, platforms like this. So you can just, like, peer into another world. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> Um, this should be a quick question, but actually maybe not because I feel like we can go into it. Um, how many long-term teachers of color have you had? Um, and I, I define long-term as longer than six months. Lots. I, I grew up, you know, like my Miss Shepard was black and I had her from first grade all the way up through eighth grade. And then I went to her dance school even outside. I guess she was my longest teacher. I went to a, a dance school called Koresh Dance Company in Philadelphia. It was like... It, was, it wasn't really a dance school, but I used it as that, you know. And, like, we've had members of, like, Alvin Ailey in class because they'd come to Philadelphia, and that's where they took class. And um, and I had a teacher there called uh, named Roni Koresh, who, who is his company, and he's a Middle Eastern man. And, um, you know, so it was just beautiful to watch him move through through the earth. When I got to college, there was a, uh, there was a professor there who, named Dr. Anthony Leach, who um, at, um, at at Penn State, um, who was very, very much influential. Um, Roni was all through high school. Dr. Leach was all through college, the two years that I was there before I left. 
Um, so, so all around me, and I have a mentor named uh, Robert Turner, um, who's in my life, who's an arts educator now. So, um, you know, all throughout my life, I've had, I've had that kind of connection. But you know, here's the thing, and this is what I'll say. I never thought of myself as the minority in terms of like what the word means, but I think a life lived in the United States in ways that are not so subtle and subtle ways, you feel like the color of your skin isn't the tool that you can use to get ahead. And this was, this was before like, jay-z or before like all of that kind of came in hip-hop has changed everything changed the game when i was coming up it was really really hard you know so you were kind of wishing away the culture that you grew up in in some sense for like something more it was very very confusing and um it was in college where i kind of like got the reins back in that a bit i realized that instead of being like, oh no, I'm the only black person in the room, it became like, oh, I'm the only black person in the room. Yeah. Eyes would be on me and I've got something to offer. Showing up in those spaces and places well prepared. So so that the face of excellence looked like this. I I don't know how it happened, but it it was like, oh, I am... I am the only person in the room. Therefore, all eyes will be on me. I better use it. Totally. Totally. I think it's really amazing that you have had so many uh, educators of color. I actually didn't. I think my first... Yeah, it was definitely more um, short-term educators, whether I went for an intensive for a week. Maybe there would be a handful of people of color on the panel or something like that. But I grew up in Ohio, so it was pretty... Like I think I had one... No, I think they were all white women. I think I had, hmm. yeah, just about all white women. Um, and then even getting to college, uh, having, I had one hip-hop professor. She is um, Asian. And, like, we would have some guest teachers that would come in and then would be a people of color. But I, I'm so, it's almost like a bad comfortability in a sense of, like, so used to being like, all right, so here comes the next white person who's going to teach me. Yeah, so I think that's really interesting that because we're, you know, from two completely dif- different generations. That is interesting. Have you ever done a uh, like an all-black show? No. Woo, honey. <laughs> you, it, you will never be the same. <laughs> you, will, you will never be the same. We laughed, cried, felt like going to like a, a spiritual place each and every night, you know, with your brothers. Or dream girls, oh my goodness. Like, you know, you're just enveloped in like just the shorthand of of emotion. Just just a side eye. Everybody's on the same page. It's a a really precious thing. And, um, you know, we just need more of it. We need more of it at the levels that we are at. Yeah. Yes, now we can fill the stage of color. But what is happening behind the stage? What's happening behind the scenes? And, And that is really what is the puppeteer that can start to make that more normal unless, ooh, like, it's a hot ticket because a director was black. It, it can just be like, this person is named so-and-so and he directed it. And that can be just as powerful. Beautiful. <laughs> For sure. This has been really great. Thank you so much again. I've... Pleasure.
thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I feel like I'm learning a lot. I hope the audience learns a lot. Take notes, guys. Pies. Cool. Special thanks to James T. Lane for allowing us to share their stories this week. The Ensemblist was produced today by Mo Brady, Jackson Klein, and myself, Christine Shepard. There are two great ways you can help the Ensemblist right now. One is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. The second is by becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash theensemblist. Please follow The Ensemblist wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Spotify, on Apple products, or at home on Broadway Podcast Network at bpn.fm. You can also follow us on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.